This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Can you imagine the shock of these situations, really and truly? For the most part, they were totally unexpected by family and friends. These were events that were totally unexplainable other than the rare supernatural work and miracle of God. And even as we move into the New Testament, Jesus Christ himself was directly involved in the raising of three others during the days of his ministry. The idea of someone coming back to life from the dead can cause many reactions and emotions amongst individuals. As society increasingly relies on so-called scientific explanations, the idea of the supernatural becomes absurd. In today's message, Pastor David discusses the shock and awe of those who witness their loved ones come back to life. Reflecting on the miracles of Jesus, Pastor David helps us better understand the emotions and reactions of witnessing such an event. Well, let's join Pastor David in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 46, with part one of his message entitled, Silence of the Tomb. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you heard the phrase, silence is golden? Silence is golden? Well, that may be true, but only to a point. Only to a point. You see, in South Minneapolis, there is a place there. It's called the Orfield Laboratories. There in the Orfield Laboratories, they have a what they call a quiet room. It's actually called an, an echoic room. No echo in this room. Guinness Book of World Records says that this is the quietest place on earth. Some of you moms with new babies want to go there right now, don't you? <laughs> I can understand that. But actually, it's, it's a test facility, and uh, there's absolutely no echoes that are emitted from that room at all. And they built it in such a way that 99.9% of all the sound is absorbed in that room, so no echo at all. And again, you might think that this would be a wonderful place to be able to spend an afternoon, but you would be wrong. Because too much silence actually can drive you mad. It's a proven fact. Too much silence can drive you mad. And some of you are saying, oh, not, not me. I would love to be able to be in the silence. But the problem is, is... Once you go in that room and they seal it shut, it's uh, built uh, with, with thick, thick walls of concrete. And then on the inside of that, there's all kind of baffles and everything. And you're in that room. And in just a short while, as your ears begin to get adjusted to the eeriness of the silence, you actually start hearing other things. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. And suddenly the noise of your own body becomes huge. Things that you don't normally notice, things that you wouldn't even imagine you'd be able to hear. To hear the blood vessels in your ears pumping. To hear actually the heartbeat in your chest thumping. To be able to hear your lungs expanding and collapsing as you're breathing in and out, and for many of us to hear your stomach kind of making the funny noises that it normally does. 
It's, it's an eerie silence. And they say that the longest time that anyone has ever spent in there is 45 minutes. Because you just go nuts with the absence of sound. 30 minutes is the optimal, and usually by the, by, by the time someone's in there for very long, they, they can't stand, they have to sit, because your whole system becomes out of balance. Did you, it's kind of an odd thing with the absence of any sound at all. Your, all the other senses of your body just get all disconnected and, 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 and upset and, and filtered around. The typical quiet bedroom. Now, I know some of you with children, you might think we don't have a quiet bedroom. It's not a quiet place in our house. But the typical quiet bedroom, they say, even in the quietest of the night, gives off about 30 decibels of sound. In this an echoic room, the sound level is measured at minus 9 decibels. Quite a change. Quite a change. You can lose your balance, you're totally out of orientation, and some, even if they're in there too long, they actually begin to hallucinate because of all of the sounds. So intense. Now, on a lesser extreme, some of you may have walked through a graveyard. Perhaps you've walked through a graveyard by yourself. Maybe you've had the opportunity to walk through a graveyard by yourself at night. That ought to be a quiet place. Hopefully it is, right? Yeah. Because about the minute somebody jumps out of there, you're going to hear your heartbeat going again. A very, very quiet, quiet place. The psalmist speaks about the grave when he declares in Psalm 88, verse 10, he says, Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? He also writes in Psalm 115, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. You see, death brings about a silence different than any other silence that there is. It's not just simply that the voice has been muffled or or, or simply missing. Death brings complete silence to the voice. Isaiah declared in Isaiah 38, For the grave cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. Luke in his gospel declares to us as Jesus was there on the cross in those last hours, then finally in the last moments, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Luke says that having said this, he breathed his last. And there was silence. There was silence. In a very short moment, we move from the sound again of of his loud voice crying out, Father, I've, I've committed my spirit into your hands. Till suddenly, the word of God spoke no more. And the voice of God was silent. As the body was removed from the cross, I personally believe that that silence began to just spread throughout that whole area. And that silence grew louder 
and more powerful than all of the weeping, than all of the moaning and all of the groaning that was taking place at that moment from all of those that loved him. The silence, I believe, was overwhelming. Matthew tells us in chapter 27 about the care that was given to the body of Jesus as he was removed down from the cross. Joseph of Arimathea, along with Nicodemus, both men that were apparently uh, silent disciples of the Lord, They asked, Joseph asked for the body. They took him down. They washed the body. They prepared the body. They wrapped the body in the linen clothes. They, they put the spices in it, and then they placed him in a tomb, rolling that large stone over the opening. And as they did that, I believe that that silence continued to spread across the whole landscape. And the deafening roar of the silence of the voice of God, I believe, grew louder and louder and louder. And more intense... And in different ways, intense. Intense for those that had loved him, that had given their life, that had followed him, that had committed everything to him. Suddenly that silence was so overwhelming. And their life was getting disoriented. Suddenly everything that they believed in, everything that they stood for was taken away. For those that hated him, those that that were in charge and, and purposed his crucifixion, I believe even for them, the silence of the pleading and the call and the message of the mercy and the grace of God had suddenly grown silent. Because you see, up to that point, Christ had offered himself to all that would come. But now they've crucified the Lord. And these Pharisees, the one who had, again, started this charge against him and were again leaders in bringing about his crucifixion these pharisees they went to again pilate and they were afraid that the disciples were going to steal his body that he would proclaim later that 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 he had risen from the dead and so they asked pilate to go ahead and put a guard at the tomb and to seal that stone with his official seal so that the disciples could not steal his body away He was crucified, yeah, unto death because the Romans knew how to crucify. He was wrapped in linen and spices. He was placed in the tomb. The stone rolled over the opening of the tomb to keep out varmints and vandals. Then they sealed that closed tomb with the emblem that symbolized the authority and the power of the Roman government. The ever growing that that deafening sound of silence was unbearable i believe to those that were affected by its cry their lives just so recently full of hope so so full of anticipation with so many desires about the future that this king was going to bring to them now totally disoriented and all perception for them had been distorted In not too distant history of our own country, back in November of 1963, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Our nation and and even the world was suddenly placed in this state of shock. Many people, they they didn't know how they could even carry on with their lives. They didn't know how to carry on. It had just affected them in such a powerful, powerful way. Not just our country, but literally around the world. That was the impact of this one man 
on humanity at that time. Just a couple of months later, following his assassination, actually it was in February of 1964, a relatively unknown American songwriter by the name of Paul Simon wrote these words. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more, people talking without speaking, people hearing without listening, people writing songs that voices never shared. No one dared disturb the sound of silence. He was writing about the emptiness that the people were feeling at the loss of this great earth, worldly, national leader. A loss of someone who so many had placed their hopes in. A hope that perhaps through him things might change. That perhaps through him there might be a better tomorrow for our nation and perhaps the whole world. And in the midst of the deepness of their sorrow, no one dared disturb the sound of silence. I believe that that was kind of the similar feeling all around Jerusalem in those days. There was an emptiness that would not be filled. A silence could not be quieted. But all of that was before the dawning of the sunrise on that Sunday morning. With the rising of the solar sun and the recognition that the Son of God had risen from the dead, things began to change. You see, people had had risen from the dead before. It wasn't completely unknown. In the Old Testament, we have three different instances where people actually rose from the dead. People who were clinically totally dead and yet rose back again from the dead. The first one we find as Elijah prays for the son of the widow of Zarephath. And God raises him from the dead. The next one comes in the one who followed Elijah, Elisha. And Elisha prays for the dead son of the Shumanite woman. God restores his life, raises him from the dead. The third one is pretty peculiar. It's actually a very, very strange story, as a matter of fact. Sometime after the prophet Elisha had died had been placed in the tomb. It had been so long that literally his his flesh had begun to deteriorate, and it was just his bones that were there. And through a couple of uh, an incident where the enemy were coming, they were carrying another man to be buried, and as they saw the enemy, they took this man, they actually threw him into the tomb where Elisha was. He landed on Elisha's bones, and God brought this man back to life. Now, that's a bizarre story, no matter what way you shake it. But this guy who is dead was brought back to life. Was it Elisha's bones? Well, something had to do with it. But you know, it was God that did it. It was God that brings life into death. Amen? You're my amen crowd, remember? Over here. So when I ask you that, amen. Okay. Can you imagine the shock of these situations, really and truly? For the most part, they were totally unexpected by family and friends. These were events that were totally unexplainable other than the rare supernatural work and miracle of God. And even as we move into the New Testament, Jesus Christ himself was directly involved in the raising of three others during the days of his ministry. 
The first we find is Jesus and the disciples went into the city of Nain. And as they came there, they came upon a funeral procession. Uh, the, the adult son of a widow of Nain had passed away. And they were in the funeral procession to bring this one and to bury him. And Luke tells us here in chapter 7, he says, that when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he came and he touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, young man, I say to you, arise. Now let's face it. If you and I were among the crowd, perhaps the crowd of mourners or perhaps the pallbearers as we were carrying this young man and this Rabbi and his followers come and he touches the coffin. He says, young man, arise. I think there might be one of two kind of feelings that we would have at that point in time. Number one, that might be anger. Might be anger. Why are you tormenting this mother? Just let us bury his son. Another one might be um, almost comical. Like, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Raising, this guy's dead. We know he's dead. But another feeling might be Kind of anticipation and amazement. Well, what's going on here? Because you see, when Jesus said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The word says that he who was dead sat up and he began to speak. And Jesus presented him to his mother. And as you might understand, it says that fear came upon all and they glorified God saying, A great prophet has risen up among us. God has visited his people. The second incidence where we see Jesus raising someone from the dead, he was in the city of Capernaum, where again was kind of his home base during his ministry there in Galilee. A ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus came to him. And Jairus says, Master, I I need your help. My daughter is sick unto death. She was very close to death. And as a matter of fact, as he was sharing this with Jesus, people from his household came up and said, it's too late, don't bother the master, your daughter is already dead. Well, Jesus went with Jairus to his house and he found already the, the mourners were, were at it. They were already wailing and lamenting and all of these things. And Jesus told him, no, no, don't do that. She's not dead. She only sleeps. And again, the feeling of those people were uh, outrage. What do you mean she's only asleep? We've seen her dead. She's dead. Why torment the mother? Others, (laughs) yeah, right. You don't know. You don't know the situation at all. She is dead. And others, I believe, were waiting in anticipation. Jesus drove everyone out and he brought in with him Peter, James, and John, the mother and the father of this young girl, and went into the room. And it says that he put them all outside and then took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. And then her spirit returned and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. Now the third one. The third time that Jesus raises somebody from the dead is undoubtedly the most memorable of all of these incidences. As Jesus raises back to life his good friend, Lazarus. Now one of the things you need to understand about Lazarus, and we read about this in the Gospel of John in chapter 11. Lazarus had been dead now for many days. So, well, yeah, he'd been dead for four days. They said he's in. The, no, you need to realize he had probably sat at the home 
for just a time of mourning for a few days, even before they put him into the tomb. So there's a number of days, actually, that Lazarus had been dead. And as Jesus comes there, and he's going to deal with him, and they ask them to roll away the stone. Remember what they say? No, don't do that, Lord. By now he, and I love the King James on this, he, he stinketh, okay? He stinketh. That's just the real deal. But Jesus arrives at the tomb. They take the stone away from the opening, and Jesus prays to the Father. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know if you've caught this on, on each one of these things. When Jesus came to the, the, the funeral procession and he touched the coffin and he said, young man, rise up. He went into the room of, of the, of Jairus' daughter there and he says, uh, little girl, rise up. And here at the gravesite, he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. I believe that the power of God is so strong that if Jesus just said, come forth, the entire graveyard would have woken up. I honestly believe that, that the power of God is so great that it can cause the deadest of individuals to come alive. And some of you here this morning, you can even testify to that. You know how dead you were in your spirit until Jesus spoke life into that spirit and you came alive in him. These ones that we looked at, God restored life and the body of these individuals. These were the ones who had died. They had entered into that silence of the tomb. Whether or not they had already been placed in the grave or not, they had still entered into that great silence. Oh, but then God. But then God. What a great phrase that is. But then God. Because when that phrase comes into play, nothing else really matters. I don't care how bad things are in your life. I don't care what situations are in your life. When the phrase is placed before you and in relationship to your life, but God or but then God, beloved, everything can change. Everything can change. Because God has that power. He has the power to raise the dead. He has the power to change your life and bring life back into what you might feel as a dead relationship, what you might feel as an emptiness of a future, what you might feel as a hopelessness of a situation. If God can raise the dead and restore the dead, and I believe with all of my heart that He can, then I know that He can restore and bring life back to the situation that you might find yourself in even this morning. God raised them from the dead. He breathed life back into them. He breathed the breath of life. He gave them back their voice. He gave them back their voice in order that they who had been dead might arise and praise His glorious name. In order that they might declare His loving kindness. In order that they might continue to praise the Lord. In order that they would no longer be in silence. And that's why God changes lives even today. 
He brings us out of the death of our sin and separation from Almighty God. He breathes life into us in order that we might be the people who praise Him, in order that we might be the people who proclaim His greatness, in order that we might be the people who live our lives glorifying Him in every aspect of our lives, in order that we would not be people who live our lives in silence, but that we declare the truth of what God has done within our lives. On behalf of Pastor David Landry and the entire production team here at The Open Word, it's our prayer that you're focusing on the death and resurrection of Jesus during this time of year. This has been a special Easter edition of The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona.